There are four basic rules to choosing your career. The work has to be the reward. An interesting career is better than a fun career. A career doesn't have to be a straight line and beware of unhealthy passions. My dream for you is to learn about how careers are built. Each interview shares some gems. Sit back and enjoy. I'm Janice Saunders, your host, certified professional life coach and creator of the Confident Speaking Skills System. I invented this system to transform you from a nervous interviewing person into a dynamic, confident speaker. Along with being a mom and a lover of competitive swimming, I'm a mentor to women from middle school to midlife, doing my part to empower each of you to dream bigger and leave a legacy that you can be proud of. Today, I'm in conversation with Joy Britt, a licensed clinical social worker and a leader in her field. I appreciate you being here today, Joy, and Thank sharing you. a bit about yourself and how you've built this amazing career. Now let's get started. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well today. Thank Great. you. Well, when, when, when people ask me how I'm doing now, I say I'm doing okay, given the pandemic. It's a great answer. Given the pandemic, right? Yeah. Well, I wanted to have you on today, this month, because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing here is talking to young people about how they can strategically go about building a career. And I know that you've gone about really putting some hard work into creating your career. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about if you wanted to, when you were starting out, did you want to be a social worker? So no, I did not want to be a social worker when I was starting out. I actually, in high school, I just knew I was going to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer and I wanted to work with celebrities. And then um, when it was time to pick colleges and and solidify where I was going, the school that I ended up going to didn't have a political science major. And so I went undecided. And, and then it wasn't until my, soft, my second semester of freshman year that I started to get into my major, which was human services. And then it wasn't until my sophomore year that I declared a major. But still, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with it, honestly. I tell you, from well, the young people that I speak with and coach, I tell you, once they get into college, I have to say many of them, I don't have the direct percentages, but I think I'm gonna calculate this out of the young people that I work with. Many of them switch majors yeah. for many reasons. You know, so I'm not really not surprised you know, that you said when you started out, you wanted to do X mm -hmm. and ended up changing and finding your real passion. Exactly, yep. Because I think that's what college is really all about. You know finding what you're interested in doing, mm -hmm. especially within the liberal arts. And then you have a lot of uh, interest there and you take courses, a wide right. variety. So that, so once you found out what you wanted to do, how did that affect your confidence level? That's a great question. I think I still didn't, so when I was like, I, okay, I'm going to be a human service major. I was like, I don't still don't really know what that means or what I can do with that. So it probably wasn't until I decided to go to grad school that I had more of an idea of 
what even being a social worker or what my options were. And I would say my confidence level in the beginning was kind of low because I was like, I'm going to mess up someone's life. I felt like I had this like really huge task of being responsible for people. And my fear at first was that I was going to mess it up. Mm, I can, I, I sense that that is something very serious in the field of social work that you might mess it up. You know, what, what, what is it, what's coming to me now is that anybody when they're first starting out in their career has a bit of a level of imposter syndrome. Yeah, totally. Like you're really not ready. Even though you've had the training, you've, you've passed all your tests. How do you, how do you talk about imposter syndrome? How do you, how do you think that that's something that you kind of hurdle over? Yeah, for, for me, I think it still like comes in here and now because the field is changing. The more that I think I grow and start to learn new things, the more I get nervous of like, am I sure that this is the right thing? Am I doing it right? I think as a social worker, there are, there are fears, like I said before, like there's fears that what if you mess it up? Or like, what if someone, you're not really there to help someone the way that you're supposed to, how does that Im impact them? And so in working through imposter syndrome, there's just kind of been a lot of reassurance and, um, you know, talking to friends, talking to colleagues, talking to my own therapist about just kind of like the feelings that I'm having and being able to talk those out and process them in a way that's helps me be more rational with my thoughts. You know, yeah. I, and we got to be rational. You know what yeah. I mean? What I'm hearing you saying is that you got to get comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable. Exactly. As you're starting out to really grab a hold of any career yeah, and move forward because it's not going to be free and easy. I don't care what you do at first. Exactly. So that's surely, you know, a little bit of a gem that you're sharing there. So you got to get used to being uncomfortable. You do, you do. And you can't, and it's easy to say, oh, this is too hard. This is too much. I'm not going to do it versus like, how can I feel more comfortable or who can be the people who let me do that? Right. Like awesome supervisors who really push me and challenge me, even in ways that sometimes are like, I don't really like this, but I do think help me to be the, the person that I am today. So when you, I guess maybe even when you graduated from graduate school, you had made the decision to be a social worker because you're in, you're in the master's program in social right. work, right? right? So when, what was, what's the, been the big difference between what you thought you were going to be doing as a student Mm -hmm. in terms of what you're actually doing now that you've started your actual career. Right. So I think that's, that's been in just several different ways, the waves, depending on where I've worked. I think when I was first, when I was in school and graduating and then I got my first job, it was way more paperwork than I expected. They didn't really talk about that in school. Um, that there is a, a heavy presence in social work on paperwork. Everything has to be documented. It has to be documented timely and the right way. So that was something that I didn't necessarily, well, I wasn't ready for that at all. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, in school and in your internship, you're kind of, you're still learning and you're, it's okay, more okay to make mistakes and the interactions you have with people are a little different because you're a student versus when you're in the field and you're actually like, this is your career and this is your job. 
the stakes are a little higher and it's like, oh, wait, wait, I'm not ready for this. I just graduated last week. I'm not, you giving me a, a whole family to work with. What if, you know, and again, that like imposter syndrome, like what if I mess up? What if I do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing kind of pops up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just kind of like in school versus being in the career was kind of just kind of being ready for like, this is real life and it comes at you fast. That, that's exactly right. I mean, real life does come at you quickly. I mean, I don't, I don't know um, anybody who can say that it slows down after you graduate. Right. I think it speeds up and you Speed press up. the button and then it's five years out. Right. right. You know, so it's, it really does speed up. Exactly. So you mentioned a, a couple of people who impacted you. You know, you had some mentors along the way, a little story that might have impacted you. Yeah. How can you share a little bit about that in your on your journey? So I would say the first time I really became aware of social work, and I don't even think that I fully knew what it was, was in high school. And Mm -hmm. so my mom was diagnosed with a chronic illness when I was in maybe eighth or ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And I went and talked to social workers in school who kind of or not kind of, who, who did really help me to be able to challenge some of the feelings that I, channel, channel some of the feelings that I were having in more positive ways so that I could be successful in school mm-hmm. and also be feel like I had a space to be, to be seen and heard and be able to communicate and express how I was feeling about what was going on at home. So that was kind of like the first impact that I had. And then when I graduated my first job out of grad school, my supervisor, I mean, my supervisor and I, my old supervisor and I still have a, a relationship because she was so huge in me, like just being a, like, just, just wanting to do more. She's always like, this isn't it for you. You're, there's more that you're going to do. I think you're going to be an amazing clinician. And she like really pushed me in, you know, I wasn't always the best. I sometimes forget deadlines and didn't write reports and she would write me up and hold me accountable. But I even love that because it was like, you have to do all of the work. And she just, like I said, to this day, she still has an impact on me. And like, I'll like tell her stuff and update her. And she's like always so proud and excited. So, Well, I, I tell you, the, 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 the level of mentorship yeah. that she has probably provided for you, that probably that she's provided for you has literally been invaluable. Yeah. Totally. I, she's also a social worker. Yes. So have you had any other mentors that are outside of the field of social work that you can say have made an impact on you? I would definitely say like my family of some of my cousins, um, just being black women who have been driven and trying to reach goals and being successful and just looking at them and saying like, yeah, we don't do the same thing, but really just wanting to, to make myself proud and my family proud and my friends proud and you know those who know me and like know my story and and I think that just kind of pushes me and drives me I I completely love it because it's it talks about the circle of friends yeah the circle of family Mm -hmm. and how they can buoy you up oh yeah drag you down (laughs) in this it can buoy you up and how important it is because we choose our friends. Mm-hmm. We don't choose our family, but we choose our friends. And oftentimes our family, you can find people in your family that are doing really good things. And they mm-hmm. may not even know what you're doing. Right. 
I don't think my family until more recently really knew what I was doing. Right. <laughs> I think it took them a while to be like, oh, wait, that's what you're doing. I'm like, been doing it for a long time now. Okay, yes. you came to my graduation. There was a party. <laughs> but no. Right. And, and exactly. I, I remember oh, that. Right. I, I remember my first job. I was working for Pfizer. Nobody in my family knew what Pfizer was. No idea. Nothing. Then Pfizer came out with Viagra. All of a sudden, everybody was like, that's the company you work for? I was like, yeah, I've been with them like 12 years. Get out of here. You know, so it, it, it just, you know, people don't know until they're like, oh. Exactly. But family is really important because you see others doing things and they can really encourage you. Mm -hmm. okay. I, I felt like that about my cousins also, you know. Mm -hmm. It's, it's important that, that we get our encouragement from where we can get our encouragement. Absolutely. Because like you said, there are definitely people who, will, who can try to bring you down and be a little more negative. And it's important to have those folks around you that will hold you up and support you and be there for you. Definitely. We're writing papers till four in the morning. <laughs> right. Exactly right. You know, I love, uh, you know, Michelle Obama's podcast. I don't know. Have you heard her podcast on Spotify? I haven't heard it yet, but I definitely, it's on my list of things to do because I love I her. Know. Well, <laughs> Michelle Obama, you know, we have a goddess in her and, you know, her book Becoming really just hit me so in my heart. I didn't go see her when she was in Brooklyn, but- I did see her in Brooklyn. You it did? Was, oh. Like I was in the same room with Michelle Obama. That's right. You know, you, you won with that one. <laughs> and I have to say, I mean, that book really touched me one, I mean, in so many ways. But one of the things that concepts that she says that really landed on me is that, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. You know, how, do, how, how does that land on you as a mid-career kind of professional? Yeah, I, I totally resonate with it because I know that I am not, I haven't done all of the things that I wanted to do yet. I, and, and it's funny because when I first started my career, I was like, I just want to be like a regular social worker. I just want to go to work, see my clients. I don't want to do too much. I don't want to feel like I don't want to be anyone's supervisor. I just kind of wanted to like stay ground level, whatever was like the most basic of the, the positions. I was like, that's it. Cause I was scared. And then as I started to get more into my career, I'm like, oh, I can be a supervisor. I can change um, like the population that I work with. I can do more. And so I feel like I'm in that space of wanting to, to always feel like I'm doing the most and I'm having the most impact with my work. And so I totally, yeah. I love that because I think that we all get to a, when you're first starting out in your career, because, you know, thinking about building your career and the college students that I work with and early professionals that I work with, this is a group of people that sometimes they just get in a job and they're thinking, I just want to do that. That's all I want to do forever. And really joining associations, asking for alternate assignments, all of these types of different things kind of build you up so you're ready to move forward and grow a bit. Yes. You know, and in, in the Confident Speaking Skills Kickstart Kit, that's one of my systems. This kit really kind of, you know, gives us some systems to move through those so you don't stay there 
you know, in case you don't have a great manager like you do to lift you up. Because right. a lot of times there aren't great managers sometimes. And you need, you know, to be a little bit more forceful in asking for opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think that was the foundation for me because it helped in any next role that I had where that might not have been that level of support or that level of experience and expertise that having my former my first supervisor set that groundwork I think was super essential right a lot of times people you know you may not start off with the best boss right right you know that does that doesn't happen all the time right so you got to find a way to kind of figure out you know other mentors but and also what that says to us is that as we learn and grow in our career opportunities present themselves and we just want to be ready for them yes. you know no matter what stage you are in your career i never thought i was going to be doing a webinar teaching about you know your career to young people i mean this is like but it but when i think about it it's a dream come true for me yeah. you know it's part of what i do as mentoring to young people i want you to be able to get out there and light your career on fire this is a way I can, you know, you can hear stories from regular women like Joy and I about how to build a career. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it's, and, you know, and a little bit of sprinkle in with Michelle Obama. A little bit of Michelle Obama. Have to have Michelle Obama as part of a little bit of dust in there from her. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm sure, did you think that a podcast was in your future when you just started your career as a social worker? Absolutely not. I, I mean, there's so many things that when I think about when I, was even deciding to go to get my MSW. There's so many things that I just never thought my life would be this way. And even when, like I have a friend who we were in social work school at the same time, we're like, okay, we're gonna get our license. We're gonna work three years and then we're gonna get our clinical license. And then we're gonna open up a practice. And it was like our six year, five, six year goal. And at some point she's like, I don't wanna be a social worker anymore. I wanna be a teacher. And I'm like, I, am I ever going to be ready to open up a practice? You know, there was still that doubt of imposter syndrome of like, well, do you need a lot more experience? Am I really ready? And so, no, like the day that I walked across that stage in May, I would have never thought that I would be in private practice. I would have a podcast. I would have, I would even be having this conversation with you about starting a career as a social worker. I never would have thought. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what I'm saying. At different stages and different seasons of our lives, as long as we keep learning, because one of my core values is growth. Mm -hmm. I want everything I do to be about the growth of young people and my own growth. Right. You know, right. and I can see that's a value that that you share if it's not written down somewhere, but it's definitely I hear it in in you. Yes. you know, as something that you value because every turn you've learned and grown and implemented. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that learn, grow, implement is a big, you know, it's a big part of being successful. No matter what career you're in, if you decide that you want to be in social work, you learn, you adapt, mm -hmm. apply that, and you're on to the next thing, growing. Because there's so many opportunities out here, you know, today. I mean, you know, it's just amazing. Especially 2020. Oh yes, 2020. Just wow. Right. This is this has been in mental health. I'm sure it's that your practice is full. It is. 
It is. And, and also a thing that even almost a year, it's almost been a year that my private practice has opened. I, and I was doing it part-time. I would go a few hours on Wednesday, Thursday nights. I'd go on Saturdays and see a few clients. And it was just kind of like, I'll get there. We'll work towards it. I had no idea, or I didn't think that a year later, it'd be like, oh, I got an email. I have to tell this person that I can't see them. Or like, how can I fit this into my day without me working 18 hour days? Wow, we're talking boundaries now, man. Yeah. You really have to set some. You do. Yes, you, you have do. to have a real work day. I, and, I'm, and it's a struggle sometimes because yeah. of availability and, and just kind of knowing that there is such a need for mental health services and knowing that people that look like me are really like, I saw your picture, I heard your story, or I saw your bio or whatever it was, and I resonated to you, and I really want you to be my therapist, and having to say, I can't right now. I can reach back out when I have some more availability, but... Or you got to say, you got to wait eight weeks. You, right. Because it's really, uh, it's something out here. It you is. Know, it really is something out here. Yeah. Do you, have you ever thought about, you know, hiring? I have. I, I, I think that might be the next step. I have to figure all of the logistics the out. Exactly. Yeah. But then yeah. again, that's the learning. That's and exactly. growing. Exactly. You exactly. you get the opportunity to be a mentor to someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who's just starting out. They're in the private practice. You know, I mean, it's just, and then there's then there's more. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm just thinking about multiplying for you. No, I've, def I've thought about it and I'm like, <laughs> how can I, <laughs> you know, I, I have a lot of social work friends mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, we can, we can make this thing happen. Right. I mean, and I, I, I completely hear it, you know, so you, you, I know you're working at Marymount College. Uh, Manhattanville. Manhattanville, Manhattanville College. What have been some of the observations that you've seen with students in terms of how they're approaching career now and in the in the in the in the evidence of the pandemic and job you know uncertainty? Mm -hmm. So some of my clients that I've been working with there have some some careers locked down and some jobs post-graduation secured. Um, but the ones who don't like, one is a dance major. She's like, I have no idea what I'm going to do now if mm -hmm. I can't perform live. Like if, if the world never opens to the, the same capacity where you're able to like fill up a, an arena or a theater, right. will you ever really be able to like be a successful dancer? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's like, should I, then she's like, should I change my major? And we're having, you know, we're starting to have those conversations of like, what else am I really even interested in? What is my, what are my other passions? Mm -hmm. Really trying to work with her on trying to discover and, un, and unfold that a lot of that. Um, or people who want to be teachers and they're like, do I want to go into school? What does that look like? Do I want to teach online? So it's been a lot of uncertainty, which I think a lot of us just have because 2020 yeah. is, a, you know, every time you turn around there's something new. Yeah. But really being able to, to like think about the what ifs and the what else do I like and what are some other avenues that I might be interested in. 
Mm, just the, the just the unfolding of and the imagining yeah. and the curiosity that it takes to really dive into that. Yeah. You know, exactly. We do a little bit of that in the confidence speaking skills kickstart kit, mm -hmm. but not I'm sure as deep as you get into it that, you know, with as a therapist. Yeah. I mean, we use a couple of different tools, you know, in that system that I teach, mm -hmm. but I'm sure it's not as deep as that. You know, we scratch the surface with fun stuff. Look at a little bit of astrology, look at a few cards, you know, do a little bit of journal writing, read a few things. You know, what what do you gravitate to? So I kind of call in the little bit of the a little bit of the woo to kind of help it. But I find that that uh this is a population that's really into that. Mm -hmm. You know, college students love it. I love it, you know, so I enjoy it. It's one of the things I, I like about just discovering what else you're interested in. Yeah. Because it is tough. I mean, it is tough. And people, you don't know everything that's out there to even know, like, you might not even have thought like, oh, wow, I do it really enjoy, you know, making things and being creative. And now mm -hmm. that that's opened up and you become aware of it, something that you might be interested in tapping into. Right. I mean, I was talking to a young lady just the other day. She just got a job at Target mm -hmm. and she's very interested in, in music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, have you ever thought about how department stores use music? She was like, no, you know, but just making connections, helping young people brainstorm and make connections yeah. because that is a big business. You know, so it just it just it just takes a little bit of ingenuity there to mm -hmm. kind of kind of make some connections to explore. Yeah, so that's that's the good stuff. So I tell you, Joy, I want to know: Do you have a word, some advice for young people as they're moving into their career right now? Just one three. word? <laughs> no, give me three. Okay, <laughs> or give me as many as you like. Okay. <laughs> I like, I have a few. Okay. I'm writing them down. Okay. Don't take it personal, especially as a social worker or someone in the mental health field. A lot of the, some of the, the things that might be directed towards you are not directed towards you. It's something that somebody else has, has experienced. It's a trauma. It's a trigger. It's not necessarily like you, Joy, are a bad person. I hate you. Get out of my house. It might just be like, I had a rough day. I had a fight with my landlord. And now you are the next person that I'm seeing. So you're going to get the brunt of it. Um, but it's not really about you. So don't take it personal. Also, like, in, also in don't taking it personal, you are maybe not the person for everybody and that's okay. I know I'm not the therapist for everybody. Everybody is not the client for me. And if there's not that connection and that, that ability to mesh, that's okay. That's okay. Mm. So I would say, don't take it personal. I would also say, give yourself grace and be patient with yourself. Um, I think so much, so many times, especially now in this like, worlds of social media where you see kind of in like this world of like instant gratification you think that it's supposed to just happen for you overnight right I'm supposed to have an idea I start a business or I like I put out a website or I sell a product and I'm supposed to be a millionaire overnight and that 
that might not happen. It takes some time and you have to be patient. And, and I would add to that, don't give up on yourself. If this is your dream and your passion, whatever that is, keep working towards it and keep striving for it. Mm. Ooh, gems. I wrote them all down. I'm going to put one of them on my Instagram page. So, you know, it'll definitely be there, but don't take it personal is real. I mean, I don't care where you go. You're going to get feedback. Yes. You know, and you can take that personal and really burn some bridges. But feedback is only there to help you to improve. Right. You know, so I, I urge everyone don't take it personal. That, that is a, you know, that's a key, that's a key. And another one, you know, is you may not be for everybody. You know, you may start a job and find that that position is not for you. Absolutely. You know, it, and it happens. And even though you've done all the research, you've, you've gotten into the industry, you've been following industry leaders and you've been, you know, doing all the work and you're connected with associations and these are the mentors and this is the job that they kind of said, hey, you might, you should interview for, you get there and it's just not for you. Not a good fit. Not a good fit. Don't run screaming, get an exit plan. <laughs> you know, don't run Absolutely. screaming. We don't want to do that. We want to have an exit strategy onto something that you love, right? But exactly. don't you know, but don't think that it's just because one thing doesn't work, throw in the towel, right? Right, right. This is my favorite. Give yourself grace and be patient with yourself. Because are you right? Are, you know, I it's said all the time that the internet, Instagram makes us think that we're going to be millionaires in a day. You know, and, and what one thing that, that is, is for sure is this type of conversation between the two of us sets the expectation that that is available to you. Right. You know, I grew up in a three bedroom apartment in the Bronx. I live in a, in a nice brownstone in Manhattan now, you know, things have, things can change. Right. But what you, what, what, what I, what I know is that it takes a minute, right? It does. And, and that's something that I think that, you know, young people in college, you know, you want to get that next week and I want you to have it next week too. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes there's a, there's a prep period, there's a, there's a launch pad that when you prepare, you're ready. Like I'm sure when you had to start your practice, what was the one thing that happened that you weren't ready for? Um, paperwork not being filled out completely. Thank I like missed the word and then that really delayed things a lot because mm-hmm. it was like then they needed giving getting in touch with people in Albany and talking on the phone and having the fax stuff and while all, all while I'm working full time and I worked at a school so every you know every minute in the school you can't answer the phone right so really trying to like work around like my phone is ringing but I'm with a student in a session I can't really answer hopefully right. call me back <laughs> See, if so, so there are many things that come up yeah. that we're not prepared for as we're striving. You know, right. just got to be ready to bend, mm-hmm. sway, and not just completely break. Right. You know, not just completely break. And, and of course, don't give up on yourself. I mean, everybody has a story out here. Right. And if college doesn't put a story in you, 
you do have the story of coronavirus and this election season. Absolutely. You will never ever be for lack of something to talk about. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I said to all of the young people that I was working with this past year during graduation mm -hmm. from high school and college, don't worry. You always have something to talk about. Mm -hmm. You will always have an essay to write about 2020. You will always have, you know, there's always gonna be, what did you do during the pandemic? Exactly. You know, and if it was nothing, turn it into the best nothing that it was everything. Right. You know, and if you, you did- survived all, it. You survived it and how you did that. Right. You know, I mean, because this is, this is, this is actually where we're, we're at. So in closing, before I wrap up and ask if anyone has any questions, please type them in the, in the Q and in the Q and A section, and I will definitely get to them. But in closing, Joy, can you share a word for young people that may be struggling with some mental health issues? It is Mental Health Awareness Month, and uh, you know, just give us a good word. Mm -hmm. I would say for for young people struggling with mental health issues that you don't have to be defined by a diagnosis just because you go to a therapist or a psychologist and they tell you you are anxious you have ADHD you are schizophrenic that doesn't mean that that has to dictate what your life is that doesn't mean you have to be stuck in I can't do that because I have this you can still live a full life and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't necessarily have to be a restriction. You know, if you have to have help with it and assistance and support with it, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's this stigma about mental health that we need to just get rid of, especially in black and brown communities. Right. Um, so just, just as if somebody were to be told that they have diabetes and they have to do certain things to live with that, you, you maybe you have to do different things, but you can also not let it dictate and keep you from doing things you really want to do. That's right. You, you can thrive. You can thrive. Exactly. You can thrive, diagnosis and all. Yes. You know, so I just, I, I thought that was a, a great piece of information to share. It's mental health month, mental health awareness month. And I appreciate you sharing that Thank because, you. Uh, you know, it's just, you're right, in the black and brown community, there's just a, I, I don't know what the problem is, but this stigma has been there forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how yeah. to put this, put these types of illnesses on the same level as hypertension. Yeah. yeah. Which everybody has, <laughs> you know? So I'd like to ask any of the uh, participants if you have any questions for Miss Joy or myself and uh, on building a career, on social work, on, on anything. Or if you have any comments, just type them into the uh, question and answer or in the chat, whatever is easier for you. Tabitha, Tabitha says, I think it was great advice given. 
and it was needed and a great reminder. Thank you. Wonderful. Let me see if I can launch this poll right quick. Uh, let me see if I, I, I can launch this first, launch the first poll. Can you, can, can you guys see the poll? I can see it too. Oh, okay, great. Let me see if anybody answers. Okay. So the first question is, do you know exactly what career you're interested in? Wow. Everyone said yes. Do you feel comfortable sharing your skills on interviews? Everyone said yes. Wonderful. Nobody here needs to become a dynamic, confident speaking machine. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, 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 I am just really glad, Joy, that you were able to talk today about and drop some real gems about young people who are thinking about building their career. Thank you. And I just would like to invite all of the young ladies who are on this call, if you have any information, you can, there's a question. Let me run over to this question. Any advice for those who have done case management social work and are unsure about graduate school? We're gonna answer that live. Okay. Let's say any advice for those who have done case management social work and are unsure about graduate school? I would say if you feel like there is more that you want to do or like whether it's like more responsibilities or a different job title or even um, a, rate, a pay increase that might be connected to graduate school, I would say wait if it's worth it because graduate school can be expensive and if you like if you are like I'm not in the space of like wanting to take out loans or wanting to be in school longer. Um, see if it's necessary for your role or could you get maybe some kind of certifications or do some kind of trainings that could maybe supplement um, having an MSW versus um, not. Let me ask you a follow-up on that one, Joy. So do you have to go back and get your master's in social work to be a licensed clinical social worker? You do, yes. So in, every state is different. So okay. in New York, after you get your MSW, you can sit for your license in your LCS, your LMSW exam. And you can do that as soon as you have your master's. And then in New York, you have to work about three years. There's a, like an hour about attached to it, like 3,000 hours of yes. supervision or Client, direct client work and then you can sit for your clinical exam right at that time um so but you have to have your msw to be able to do that right and and i i guess the reason you go back to graduate school is to get that pay raise to get that licensed clinical social worker and also the licensed clinical social worker can open their own private practice yes whereas mm -hmm. the other person cannot Right. You can work under someone else's license, but right. you can't open it on your own. Right. Right. So that's the other part of going and getting your MSW is there are having a master's in social work is a real broad degree and you can do so many things. You can work in so many different areas with it. So if you want that flexibility, then I would say it could be worth it. 
Like I know some people are like, oh, I want to go to school for school counseling. And I said, well, if you don't always want to work with kids in a school, then maybe think of something like social work where you can work with kids in schools, but you're not married to that forever. Well, I have to say that there seems to me there might be a little bit of career exploration mm -hmm. that needs to be done to kind of see, to unpeel where you really want to make an impact in social work. Right. Because that's really important because there are, like, like Joy said, social work is broad. I mean, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that can help you to decide on which programs have exactly what you want mm -hmm. and the type of programming that's offered because all types of social work programming is not offered everywhere. Exactly. So, you know, that's, that I do know about, about and, and I have to say that just unpeeling and uncovering, you know, is a good thing to do. And DM me if, if you're interested in, in, in working on doing that. We can definitely kind of kind of unpeel that a little. It's not easy to figure out where your curiosities kind of lie. So we have one other, uh, one, other, one other question that popped up in the chat. What advice do you give youth that has been told that, told often that they're not equipped for a certain job due to their diagnosis or behavior? It's a great question. It's an awesome question. Thank you, thank you for uh, sharing that, Jennifer. Um, I would say, I guess it would depend on a few things. Like, is this like a job readiness program that's telling them if this is an actual job that's like, you can't work here because of your diagnosis of your behavior. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say if, if the youth is in a place where they can have someone advocate for them, I think that'd be really great. Mm -hmm. um, or if they're like connected to some kind of program or some kind of case manager or something who's able to kind of navigate putting them in spaces if they have a diagnosis that they're being turned down for. Also letting them know they don't have to share that information with somebody. Like you don't have to go in on a job interview like I'm bipolar, like no one needs to know that, especially if it's gonna lead to some kind of discrimination against you. Um, so I would say if they are, I would, I would encourage them to be able to try to advocate for themselves if they can. And if they couldn't, being able to have someone else that could help them advocate and navigate and, and navigate those systems and finding them you know also exploring what they're really interested in because maybe this isn't the place for you maybe this won't be a good fit for you not necessarily because this place said you can't be there but maybe this is something you won't even really like and you may not be doing well at it because it's just not interesting exactly, to you exactly exactly so, I mean, those are also things. I mean, what do you think about some type of behavioral th therapy, you know, some type of behavior training yeah. and just workplace behavior training, professional training might be something that, you know, might be helpful too. Sure, I think it would definitely be helpful. Yeah, totally. Well, let me see. Any, anybody else have a question or I see something. Hold, there's another question in the chat. Thank you. Okay, got it. It doesn't say the names of the people who write the questions in the chat, okay. but I want to, Joy, I want to thank you. Thank you. For participating today in thinking about building your career. And um, if any of you ladies would like to reach out to me, I am at the real Janice Saunders on Instagram. And 
you know, you can be a confident speaker and do all of the things that you want to do. And I would like to also add, even if you have a mental health diagnosis, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. And I think Joy and I have, you know, just put it out there tonight and Joy put it on display that there's a lot of growth right after you start your career. There's a lot of learning, it's uncomfortable and you can do it. Just don't give up on yourself. Absolutely. Any, any parting words, Joy? Um, I would say if you are passionate about something, just keep, just keep at it and just, there's no need to give up on your dreams and your desires and something that you really feel like is your purpose in life, just because it seems a little difficult or just because you hit some hurdles, just keep going. That, that we're going to end it right there. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank each of you for joining this today. We really Thank appreciate it. So much. And have a great evening and everybody be safe. Thank you. Okay. I hope each of you enjoyed this webinar and learned a few gems you can use on your professional journey. For more inspiration and information to build the career of your dreams, follow me on Instagram at the real Janice Saunders. Until then, be busy being who you want to be and living a lifestyle that suits you just fine.